Adventure Guys, episode three. I am Nick the Human. I'm Eric the Human. And today we're here to talk about all your fault. All your fault. Oh, should we try to say it at the yeah. same time? One, two, three. All your fault. All your fault. fault. <laughs> I don't know. That was lame. <laughs> it sounded together to me. Did it sound together to no. you? No. <laughs> you can do some editing for that. I feel like I'm in sure. kindergarten. Should we just start the podcast over? Yeah, welcome to Adventure Guys, yeah. the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human, and that's a good, clean start. And you know what? If you listened to our last two, our first two episodes, they were a little bit weird, a little atypical. The first one, we came in with a lot of energy. I personally came in with way too many thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Uh, more than I had. <laughs> and then episode two, to compensate, I think we both came in a little bit loosey-goosey. We've been having some hard times, and that one just meandered. But we've come back, I think, with a, re- a re-energized sense of focus. I'm drinking a yerba mate right now, lemon-flavored, so I'm all hopped up. I, I, and it's lemon to go with today's episode, which features oh, the lemon grabs. And, Eric, I just wanted to start this episode by saying I am once again so thankful for doing this episode because or this show and talking about Adventure Time because watching this, I was like, holy shit, this is like my favorite show. Like I loved (laughs) this episode so much. And you know, the lemon grabs, I chose this episode because we wanted to do something with Princess Bubblegum um, for one of our early episodes. And I saw this one had the lemon grabs in it. So I was like, let's do it. And as we discussed in the first episode, I haven't seen every episode of Adventure Time and honestly fell off from watching regularly after the first few seasons. So, a few years ago, my friend Mara, who maybe we should have guests on the show because she's a huge Adventure Time fan, just randomly, as we were getting to know each other and becoming better and better friends one day, sends me a clip and says, do you like Adventure Time? I'm like, yeah. She's like, have you seen, do you know about the Lemon Grabs? I was like, no. And she sent me a clip, and it's where there are, it's the it's called like My Sweets, where they're they're playing with a doll, and the doll breaks, and one of the, the le- I don't want to spoil it. But like one of the lemon grabs <laughs> eats the other lemon grab. Now I had no idea who oh. the lemon grabs were, what was going on, but I was like, oh my God, I need to start watching Adventure Time again because that clip just like grabbed me so much. So I'm ever since then, that was like seven years ago I saw that clip. I'm like, I need to watch some of these episodes with the goddamn lemon grabs because that one clip is just stuck in my brain. He is by far one of the most bizarre characters in television. It's so this is so it's Justin Roiland. I thought who so. Does the voice. I, I thought yeah. so. And the introduction of Lemon Grab predates Rick and Morty by a few years, I guess. Uh, but this episode was full of Rick and Morty vibes. It was weird and uncomfortable and gross. <laughs> And very, very Justin Roiland centric, of course. Uh, but yeah, you could see sort of proto Rick and Morty vibes with like these blobs everywhere, these formless creatures yeah. that are just yeah. screaming. And the, well, the lemon grabs do nothing but scream. I know. <laughs> and, oh, so he uh, he blew out his voice famously doing this character. Really? Yeah, he said it was the most difficult role he ever had. Because it was just screaming the entire time. Yeah, he he created a character where he has to scream every line. Yeah, and I think I think the story is he he didn't really have a set idea for how this character should sound. He just kind of went into the studio and improvised and started screaming as just one of the many things in his palette. And the voice directors were like, "Yes, that's Lemon Grab. Do that." And then he got stuck having to scream everything for the entire length of this show. And it, and the show did overlap with Rick and Morty. And I wonder how that affected his... Because he does almost every character in that show. Yeah. Probably messed up his voice trying to do his own creator work. Very intense oh character. Oh my God, like the Morty voice also doesn't sound kind to the vocal cords. Yeah, I mean, he's never really yelling, but it, he does sort of do that that cracking yeah. sound that doesn't. It sounds doesn't strained. Seem pleasant. Yeah, 
Oh man, there was also a little bit of a science sciencey vibe to this too, especially with like the backstory for the lemon grabs and them finding the thing their mom. Yeah, I don't I don't remember at what point the lemon grab became two. Mm-hmm. At what point there was a split? I forget how that happened. Where we already kind of just dropped into the, to that that period and that character's development. Is it explained? I I I I don't remember. I don't remember either, but like I was totally fine just being dropped into this world with no context. This is my vibe. I love stuff like this. Uh, <laughs> I have an ex-girlfriend who who said when she was describing my taste, she said you like things that are crazy in quotation marks. <laughs> and I was like, I started thinking about the things I like. I'm like, I like non-crazy things too, but I really do love crazy things. <laughs> I love crazy shit. And this is yeah, this is as do. crazy as I've seen a cartoon get. Out of the three episodes we've watched so far for this podcast, it is the number one craziest <laughs> so far. Yeah. Probably <laughs> the most entertaining for me. Uh yeah, yeah, in some ways. It's it's a very uncomfortable episode. Yeah. Adventure Time does that a lot for me, actually. It really pushes that button. There there's a few characters that I find extremely unsettling in this show. I- I, I will say last episode that we did, Finn and Jake was about was about their dynamic, and Finn was being a real dick as we discussed. I was glad to see their like friendship and teamwork back in full force here, and I really admired how they carried themselves in this episode. But wait, wait, should we just let, let's just jump into it? Let's do let's discuss the episode. Let's get into the plot. let's discuss the episode. Discussion. Ooh, love that theme. I didn't give you props on episode two, but you just you brought that out to me with no context because in episode one I called for it. I think right. Yeah, that's what happens if uh, <laughs> if we call out a theme song. I guess it exists, and that one's great. I love it. It's 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 good. Thanks. It's good for mid uh, mid episode vibes. Cool. So. Yeah, so the, I mean, again with Adventure Time, like even, just the first few minutes, like getting into the plot, it's just packed with details. Like, so after Princess Bubblegum gets the note from like the Lemon Bird, um, she calls down to Finn and Jake, and Jake is talking to CB and has formed himself into a, a cinnamon bun. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's such a weird throwaway moment that doesn't have any relevance to anything. And yet they felt it necessary to start the episode that way. It looks like they're on a date, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) I don't understand what the implications of that are. I don't either. I don't know much about CB. So, I mean, he's a lovable buffoon. And so it seems almost kind of mean that they would play a trick on him like that is that what's happening yeah I don't or know. it could have been a uh maybe it was a practice date like they were helping him like we don't really know the context but the th- that's some nice headcanon yeah <laughs> and but what's nice is once they go on their journey he like wishes them well so he's not mad he doesn't seem like he's been like tricked in any way he very rarely stands up for himself in the show mm-hmm. i think that's just part of his character yeah. well well anyway so Princess Bubblegum calls up Finn and Jake and they're like, can you take these seeds? And they're just like immediately like, yeah, sure. Okay, no problem. Like yeah. Princess Bubblegum, it's it's worth mentioning, is my favorite character of the show. Oh, really? Yes. What? Why? Uh, she's probably the character I identify with most. Got it. Did it, did it like click for you at some point, like watching the show where you're just like, God, I love her. It, it sets up her character a little bit weird. I think the first season she's damseled a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Where she has to be rescued by Finn and Jake. And I'm glad that the show broke out of that cliche pretty quickly. Um, Seasons two on, I think her character gets developed a lot more. She's given a lot more depth and uh, she has sort of a, a, uh, sleeper storyline like you don't realize exactly how her through line is being developed over the course of the series and it culminates uh 
pretty nicely, I think, especially with like her relationship with Marceline and their whole backstory and, and all that. Um, but she is my favorite character. Uh, she was pretty good in this episode, but didn't stick around very long. No, uh, and but but still, to your point in this episode is that you know <laughs> when they get into trouble later in the episode and they're like have like their first. Finn's first thought is we should just take you to see Princess Bubblegum because she knows so much more than we do. Like she has an authority yeah. here where she is smart. She has her shit together more so than Finn and, and Jake. Like, like she's a very intellectual and like respected person within this world. Like it's great. I love that. Yeah. Uh the um I can't I can't remember if if the whole candy seed thing was set up in an earlier episode. Um, or if that was just introduced as as a way for them to grow their own food in the in the lemon castle or wherever they are, um, it seems like that that was an earlier plot point, but I I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, they take the the seeds and they head over to Lemon Grab World. And yo the the thing with the seeds, I remember this uh, every time I've watched this show. This the scene where they bring the seeds to the lemon grabs yeah. is it strikes such a chord with me because they're, they have to explain to Finn and Jake why they ran out of food. Yeah. And Finn and Jake were like, well, that was dumb, but Hey, we can solve your problem. Here's the solution. Don't do that stupid thing anymore. <clears throat> we can, we can fix this. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. My bad. And in the same breath, they immediately repeat the same stupid mistake that they've <laughs> made the entire time. And they waste all of the seeds to create an, an, the most disappointing, stupid blob of a character oh, that could possibly be it's created. It's the worst blob of all. <laughs> and, you know, another part of that scene that really got me is that they feel like there's a compulsory... They have a compulsion to create the uh, their children of can- out of the candy, out of the food that they need. So, but when they get the seeds, they come over. They just knock one of the kids, one of the blobs, directly off the table to create the new one. <laughs> so then it's sort of like, okay, they don't really even care for the things they're creating. It's just like this is maybe the heaviest metaphor in this show that has ever spoken to me. In that. Especially with the state of our world and politics and everything that's happening right now. I feel like I have this interaction with people all the fucking time. It's like, hey, that thing that you were doing was so stupid. Like, you understand that, right? You agree, right? And they're like, yeah, I understand. I'll never do it again. And they do it again immediately. (laughs) It drives me crazy. And this happens to me over and over and over again in my life. I would love a real life example. If it... If it's like appropriate and won't hurt anybody in your life, I would love to know exactly <laughs> no, what you're talking about. I, uh, no, I'm not. Okay, gonna, okay, I'm let's not, not <laughs> let's not go there. But I, I, dude, I definitely identify with that. Um, yeah, and it's so disappointing. They they smash the eggs together and it immediately comes to life and it throws up everywhere <laughs> and they're just like. And I love when the Finn's also like, "Well, don't, you know, we got to take care of your boys," and he's like, "Our boys." <laughs> The children, but then I was like, okay, he's confused by boys, but then he also seemed like to almost forget about the existence of all the things they create. I don't know. I'm like trying to figure the psychology of the lemon grabs is just interesting. It's it's really bizarre because <clears throat> when the character isn't introduced, uh, I think it's is it the beginning of season two or something where Princess Bubblegum is 14 years old <clears throat> and because age works really weird in this show. Uh, Lemon Grab is the elder statesman and, and, and proper heir to the Candy King- Kingdom. And when he's introduced, he seems to have a lot more intellectual agency. And that character trait vanishes immediately with every subsequent appearance of Lemon Grab. <laughs> and at this point, there's two of them, and I forget how that happens, but they make no sense at all. They have no motivation <laughs> no. Well, I, I also want to go back to, we should guess we're talking about Lemon John, who is the guard. 
when they come in. And that's when I knew yeah. things were going to get... We, we skip past that, but when they get to the Lemon Drop Fortress, they get past all of the blobs that are hungry, and they get in to like the castle, and then Lemon John is waiting for them, which is just a giant square with a face in it, and asks, are you Lemon? And, he, and like a great quote, what was he? He's like, does your head come to a point? And like asking him all these questions of their lemons. And that made me so happy. And this gets to where I was talking about before about Finn and Jake and how they carry themselves, um, which was just one of the first things that strikes you when you watch the show is that they're in these crazy situations. They're talking to Lemon John, which is freaky and weird. And they're not scared at all. They're not intimidated. They're barely intrigued. They're just like, hey, man, like, how do we get and find uh, the Earl Lemon Grab? And he's like, are you Lemon? He's like talking all this crazy stuff. They're like, yeah, cool, man. But like, which way do we go? Um, and like, <laughs> Nothing phases them. Yeah, they're not phased. And they ask him how to get to the dungeon and they go. And then just the little aside where Finn's like, thanks, man. And Jake's like, yeah, man, thanks. And they go like a really earnest thanks in Jake's voice. I don't know why. It just makes me feel so comforted. And I'm like. Yeah, that's the attitude that sets this show apart. Is that like casual relatability, good friend vibe that they have in this episode? Uh, yeah, they well, it's weird because they do get creeped out in this episode. Yeah, well, but they it, also but it keeps, shrug it off pretty easily. It keeps getting creepier when they're going through like the bellows and you start seeing like the organs and then they... And then they get into the creepiest scene is when they open it up and that's where I think the lungs are. And there's the littlest little lemon and a screw and he turns around and starts screaming until his head peels itself. Yeah. <laughs> and Jake's like, nope, nope, let's go. <clears throat> yeah, that's a very David Lynch kind of Yeah, <laughs> I know, dude. I was, I, I was thinking about that right before we started. I was like, this has some Lynch vibes to it. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Yeah, I, I, as weird as it is, I feel like as soon as you start seeing uh, the organs, like whatever comes first, mm -hmm. it was like lungs or the heart or whatever, it's it's telegraphed pretty easily what is going to be the situation with like a big, giant, living lemon up that is the castle. I think as soon as the, the first organ room appears, like that's pretty easily predictable. Yeah, I I guess I think that the lemon grabs just threw me off so bad that I like stopped like telegraphing ahead what was going to happen in the episode and just kind of was observing. And like when when Lemon John came to life, it was like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what was happening. But I was like, man, anything's possible with these guys. <laughs> that's interesting. I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I I immediately predicted I couldn't stop myself from thinking that yeah but they they throw in like the little weird elements with that tiny little lemon peeling itself yeah to to throw you off i guess yeah it's just I, very bizarre. i think they i think they once they got into the world and they started picturing like what could happen in lemon grabs like universe they probably just had some fun they're like well they scream yeah. all the time like what if all the other lemons scream too and they scream more and i don't know it's yeah, it had a lot of Lynch vibes. It had a lot of Rick and Morty vibes, oh. and not just because of Justin Roiland's voice. I wonder. I wonder how much creative input he had in in shaping these episodes. Whoa. Did you hear that? I was I was pulling up a page because I wanted to see if he had a, a writing credit or anything on the episode. Uh, it appears that he doesn't. Yeah, I also know that he he's a. Uh, a fairly proficient improviser. Mm -hmm. So maybe he just recorded a lot of random voice stuff and they kind of pieced together scenes. Maybe I'm just guessing. Yeah. It's a possibility. It's possible. I mean, it's a good possibility. Um, <laughs> I want to go to another uh, part that I, I absolutely uh, loved which is probably the hardest I've laughed watching the show yet and was kind of Rick and Morty, is when they bust through the door and the lemon grabs immediately stand up and go, you broke the door! You have to fix the door! And then Jake goes on this rant where he's like, fix the door! Fix the door! Finn, what's going on? Fix the door. What's going on, oh. Finn? Fix the door? What's going on? And 
that made me laugh so hard I had to pause the episode, rewind it, and watch it again because just like it was ah, so funny. Like the way that that like the amount of times he said it, I don't know if they did math or if that was improvised, but I was like, the way he said it and the amount of times he said "fix the door" and "Finn, what's going on?" just really got me. Nothing makes any sense in this episode. It was all it. Oh, it, yeah. Most of the episode was extremely unpredictable. Yeah. Just just from line to line, anything could have happened. Yeah. And I, I got to be honest with you, I am not one to try to predict the future of what's going to happen in an episode. Not even just an episode, but even movies. Like, to the point where I realized this when I went to see The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. And everyone was like, I knew the whole movie that The Village was going to be like. It was set in modern times. You could see it coming from a mile away. And I was like, wow, I wasn't even trying to like figure out the ending and everyone's like that's the whole point of Andrew Night Shyamalan there's always a twist you got to figure out the twist and I've just sort of carried that with me where I don't try to figure out what's going on I just like take everything on its face to enjoy it it definitely makes me feel dumb sometimes when I uh <laughs> don't see stuff coming that I should have dude I loved the village for that exact reason I did not see any of it coming I was totally surprised I thought it was great and for that reason, I can only ever watch an M. Night Shyamalan movie once. Yeah. Oh, well, we can share that. I just remember having friends in high school who were like, that movie was stupid. And like, you're stupid because you didn't see it coming from a mile away. I don't know if they actually said that or if I just, you know, felt insecure <laughs> or something. But I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. Um, I've definitely become a little bit more analytical in terms of how I enjoy media, whether it's shows or music or anything and i I, i've actually thought about this a lot since we started doing this podcast the way that i enjoy uh listening or watching things is a little bit a little bit related to how i guess it's kind of narcissistic i think about how i would interpret the choices that the creators are presented with Mm -hmm. and and the choices that i would make like when i hear a song that i don't like it's usually because I can identify the choices I would have made differently in writing and arranging a song. When I hear a song that I do like, it's usually because I agree with the choices that were made. And when I hear a song that I really, really love, it's because I agree with the choices that they made, but I never would have been able to think of them yes. myself. And and I, I find that when I'm watching TV now, I... I get, for better or worse, maybe a little preoccupied with uh, trying to get inside the creator's head and mm-hmm. trying to understand their process a little bit more. And this episode, I, I mean, aside from from sort of predicting the the Mecca Lemon John, it it was going in so many weird different directions that I loved every choice, but I would never have been able to make them myself. No. <laughs> well, that's interesting you say that, Eric. I don't know if I would be so on yourself about it being narcissistic because I think when people enjoy things, I think it's, it's similar. I think expectation just plays into how you enjoy things a lot and what the creator or the art is doing with that expectation, playing into it, subverting it, twisting it, you know, and I think you're viewing expectation through this lens of what would I have done or what not have done. But I think a casual listener who doesn't even um, like create, art at all comes to the table with some baggage of expectation and some history of what they've seen before. It's why people get so angry at certain things. Like it's why some people hate David Lynch stuff or, or twin peaks. You know (laughs) what I mean? It's like, that's not how people talk. Like, why is this happening? You know, like, um, but then other people are like, yes, there's subverted. I don't know. I, I think, I think that that's a pretty universal feeling, but it is, that is unique, I think, to people who start creating and start really getting inside things. And it's I would definitely say that third one where you have your expectations about where you thought it was going to go and then they take it in a different direction and you're surprised and excited and just like stimulated your brains on like tingling like that really is the best. Like when I think about my when you're saying that I thought about like one of my favorite music listening experiences of my entire life which was in college, 
freshman year, I was visiting Philly, my friend Francis at Temple, and we were listening to John Coltrane, like Love Supreme for the first time. And I was edging towards music like that. And I was listening to it with a couple of his friends who were all, they were all jazz majors. So they were just like pointing out like things that Elvin Jones was doing on the drums and stuff. And then I started, I was listening to Train play the solo and I was, and you all of a sudden I was like really riding the wave and like really paying attention to every note he was playing and the journey he was taking us on. And I kept thinking like he was going to do one thing or go another place or repeat something. And he kept going off in all these other directions and it would just excite me. It was like a real time, like, version of what you were talking about because like each note or each lick or passage you're like okay where's he gonna go next oh what i never saw that coming <laughs> yeah it feels what did you say about the the new directions are surprising like, you're like sometimes they can internalize everything that's happened before it and take you in a new way and sometimes it just feels like it's all over the place like if you're just going to totally subvert your expectations by being random yes i think i think that gets tiresome after pretty short amount of time it does the whole random like remember when we were in high school there was like i feel like random was like a genre of comedy like the date night <laughs> movies or like scary movie seven or whatever you know um really probably scary movie five or something but um i, I do want to bring it up because i found like the av club did a review of this and they gave it this episode a c because they called it unfocused and they were like, these characters are good in small doses. Like, insanity is good in small doses, but too much time with these characters is just like, you know, what are we doing? It's unfocused. And that's interesting because I think they're kind of getting at it feels random and wacky and crazy, but I kind of felt like the decisions that were happening were building out this the universe of the lemming grab. Like, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, and made me excited for like when they come back next time, we're going to know things about the lemon grab. We're going to know about where they're at, not just like intellectually and they're crazy, but also emotionally. Like now, by the end of this episode, we know that they don't, they're not operating emotionally as they are supposed to. Yeah, they get actually pretty dark and sinister. Yeah. And I feel like that growth as a character is as natural as it could be, given the insane randomness of, of their actions. But... I don't know how many times they appear in each season. It seems like the building of this character, while the direction isn't necessarily constant, the the building seems natural. Like I'm never, I'm never, uh, I guess I'm never really shocked. I'm just <laughs> always amused in in a really weird way. Yeah. Well, I do want to bring up um, along those lines is another quote, which is after they're like, "Cool, yeah, take us to the Candy Kingdom." And they get all of their children, all the boys together so they can tell them where they're going and they won't be, you know, scared or upset. And then they like immediately are just like, we're going to the candy kingdom. We're going to steal all the candy and all this stuff. And then this is where the, the title comes in. They point at Finn and Jake and go, this is all your fault. We warned you about us. That was bizarre because. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the name of the, the episode. It's the. And I, I can't really figure out how or or why that was worthy of <laughs> the title card, you know? No, I can't either. But what you were talking about before, about the lemon grabs, like, you know, they don't do this thing and then they immediately do the thing, right? And they oh, showed their true behavior me. there. They showed that they cannot be trusted, that they are just going to keep going down this hole, that they are dark and bad people. Yet Finn and Jake still trusted them. And it felt like a, almost like a thing where they were like, hey, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I feel like the lemon grabs were kind of saying that. Like, hey, man, like we already showed you our true colors and you should have known. <laughs> and I mean, at the end, how about the end? Oh, well, first of all, when Lemon John is going and they kick his heart and then all of a sudden he has a conscience. Yeah. <laughs> He starts feeling emotions, but she says, lemon people don't feel, right? Doesn't he say something like that? Yeah, I guess. He said, Well, he says that. So then in my brain, I'm like, oh, so that would explain why the lemon grabs are so crazy because they have no emotions. Like, they're like robots. They don't operate on that level. But then after Lemon John, you know, disintegrates himself into candy and they get the lemon grabs and then 
<laughs> Princess Bubblegum's erasing their brains, where like the yes. knowledge is like penciled in. Jake is like, why don't we just fix their hearts like we did with Lemon John, and then they'll know emotions. We won't get in this mess. And she goes, no, their hearts were fine. They're just like this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the whole Lemon family is, there's like a weird brand of apathy in those characters that is hard to pinpoint. When, when the, yeah. uh, the Lemon Hope character gets introduced... Very strange arc that Lemon Hope has. Yeah, the, the, there is a really interesting sense of apathy and where emotions... Play, because they definitely seem to have emotions sometimes. But like when they have emotions and what it's applied to, you just never know what it's going to be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's goddamn... I, I can't wait for the next encounter with the Lemon Grabs. Um you want to play? Did you see the snail? Yes. Nick, did you see the snail? No. Eric, did you see the snail? No. Well, okay. Whoa. We, we should talk about Whoa. this. At least we should mention yeah. it. I saw a snail. Oh, really? Where? But I, I don't think it counts as the snail. Okay. <laughs> I, no, in my brain, in my brain, I don't remember like cognizantly seeing the snail. Like I couldn't tell you where it was. But in my brain, I feel like I, I saw a snail. Does that make sense? There, there was a weird lemon snail blob creature mm. that accosts Jake and Finn when they enter the, the lemon castle, and I, I don't think it counts. I don't know if the regular snail that we're trying to see was in this episode somewhere else or if that counts as the snail. I don't know. Maybe we can look it up. But I, I saw a snail. I did not see the snail. Okay. I'll, I'll accept that answer. That's as close as we've gotten so far. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We're making progress. We're making, we're <laughs> One day we're going to... You know what? There's always so much stuff going on. I forget to even look for this snail, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to step up my game on subsequent episodes. I'm really going to keep an eye out for this snail. Yeah. We're not going to cheat though. Don't cheat on me, Eric. No. Okay. Can we, I wonder, does the, uh, the website say where the snail was? Let's look it up. I'd be interested to see where this snail was. Should if if neither of us sees the snail, should we try and find where it is? Maybe. Or should, should we, we explain to the listener the that there's a snail in every episode? Well, that's there is a snail in every. Well, episode. There we go. Thank you for explaining it, Eric. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and look it up. Let's let's see. Um, you know, while we're at it, too, we have some like you know. Some fun, uh, some fun facts. So here's some some trivia that I found. Was they said that the lemon grabs refer to Princess Bubblegum as Mother Princess, thus implying that she may be their mother. Did you catch that? Uh, well, she, she she made them. She did. Okay. I mean, she made all the candy people. Got it. Well, I, you know, in the flashback, I didn't know if they were obscuring that because it looks like it could be her with the, I think it's, it's like, you know, the, the color scheme's all the same. It's a little bit washed out because it's like the past or something. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, I mean. She made all the, every, every sentient candy being in the land of Ooh was created by Princess Bubblegum. Well, there you go. So I thought I had some fun fact, but it's just me. Oh, that's not true. Again, there's, there's, uh, actually, so I guess it's a little dubious, the, uh, history of candy life. <laughs> really? Cause there's, there's Princess Bubblegum's brother, Nettie. Ah. But aside from Nettie, I'm pretty sure every other candy being was created by her. Got it. All right, cool. I I um 
Now I know that. I'm going to learn the canon. I swear to you guys, all you listeners, I'm going to learn it as we go. Um, here's another fun fact. When the the little lemon guy screams until his head peels um, and his skin rips off, apparently is a reference to The Thing, the movie, the 1982 John Carpenter film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess at one of the, in later, um, in later in the movie, like one of the guys, like the thing gets him and then he starts transforming. He screams until his head peels in a similar way. Now I just watched the thing actually like a month and a half ago and I can't place that scene. I'll take the internet's word for it. I'm pretty sure I, I know what it is just because of, uh, the internet. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Have you seen the thing? Uh, I've never sat through the whole thing, dude. Through the thing, through the whole thing, thing, <laughs> dude. You got that is one of my favorite movies. That within the past year, I've seen two movies now that I'm I immediately catapulted into the top twenty of favorite movies for me, and that would be The Thing and Roadhouse. Are like, <laughs> okay. oh my god, so goddamn good. I love The Thing. I would love to you do an episode. Movie I watched the recently. Thing. What's up? I, I thought I thought of you when I watched this this movie recently. Get him to the Greek. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know you know what I realized the uh, the gif of or gif however you want to say that of Jonah Hill screaming with his hands. Yeah, it's it's from that movie and it's from him listening to the Mars Volta. Yeah, I remember it's it's and he's not only listening he's listening to and my my favorite recording by the Mars Volta, which is from Scab Dates. The, two, the Scab Dates, yeah, yes, the live one. Take Veil Serpentax. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I, I uh, was going through all the DVDs in my parents' house last week when I didn't have internet, and uh, I found that one, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, Nick works for a record label. Do you, do you ever ever have a get into the Greek moment with a famous rock star? Yeah, so just remember, I haven't seen that movie like in a decade. So <laughs> so you, you mean get him into Greek like where it's like, holy shit, we have to get somewhere, like and. I'm trying to convince them to get there. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah. Like, uh, Jonah Hill has, he convinces, uh, P Diddy, Sean Combs, yeah. who runs the label to book a show for Russell Brand. who's a washed up rock star. Yeah. And Jonah Hill has to escort Russell Brand from London to LA to make the show. Right. He just wants to go on a huge bender the whole time. Yeah. Now that's cool and funny. It's interesting because that would not typically be somebody at the label's responsibility to get the artist there. Also, the label usually wouldn't be in charge of booking the show. <laughs> um, I guess unless the show was not going to make money and it was really just because it's like a 10 year anniversary show, right? Uh, Yeah, it was something like that. So maybe and they were going to live stream it. or yeah, something. Yeah. So maybe like it wasn't a show that was going to make money and the label was paying for it. In that case, the label would then bear responsibility on like getting the person there usually like probably just like booking them a flight and their like management would take them there but i do that is fun i i would i have had some get them to the greek moments yes (laughs) um and some spinal tap moments um that's awesome yeah it wasn't so awesome in in the moment i will i've oh my god yeah Hello, listeners. Apologies for the editorial interjection here, but Nick is going to tell a story about his experiences in the music industry, and it involves a pretty famous artist. In retrospect, we realize the artist in question is probably too famous to divulge behind-the-scenes details like this, so I'm just going to censor out the artist's name, and hopefully it'll still sound okay. I've I've had two instances where I had to book a helicopter for and a private jet for a band that I don't want to disclose who it is. Um, <laughs> um, but they were both in high pressure situations where it was like 
we need to fly now in order to make the show. And I was the guy on the phone with like, not just the helicopter booking agency, but like the pilot of the helicopter and being like, this is where they are going. This is, and they're like, how many ba- pieces of baggage? Like they showed up with too many pieces of baggage. And I'm like, I didn't know they were going to bring all that baggage. And like, well, we can't fit it into this helicopter. And they're like, the guy who booked the helicopter, um, like you guys cheaped out. Like you should have gotten a bigger helicopter if you had all this baggage. And they told his manager that the label cheaped out on renting a helicopter big enough to accommodate them. Um, And that if we tried to fly with all the baggage that that label booked, we might crash, which leads, Oh my God, which leads to, and it would have been your yeah, fault. Yeah, it would have been my fault. And the 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 manager calls me and goes, "Why you're trying to save a buck or two and put my life and his life in jeopardy?" And I'm just like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I was like, "I told the the owner of the helicopter company, I want the best helicopter that you have. I want a hel- like I want the the top of the top. You know what I mean?" I was like, "Nothing but the best for yeah, exactly." And then he's and the guy's like, "Oh, I got you, man." And what's really funny is that the guy who was doing who I was booking it through was like a California bro. Who's like, shut up, man. Like I would call him. He's like, oh man, we got the best helicopter. Dude, bro. Just don't even worry about it, man. Like I totally got you. And then I remember it was like the day before the helicopter. I was like, Hey dude, I you didn't send me like a confirmation email. Like what's going on? He's like, bro, like, oh man, our secretary is just out of the office. Just, I tell you, man, like we're the best. Like, and it was referred to me by somebody like very high up the food chain. Um, like a very important person was like, yeah, this is a great helicopter company. Um, but then we had to book a different helicopter. He was going to head, play a huge slot in, um, in LA and he was flying from San Diego to LA cause the traffic was so bad and they had to move his set that day. Um, God bless the Atlantic radio staff who had to deliver that message to and move whatever pop star to an earlier time because it's late. Um, it was just a comedy of errors and it wasn't really my fault. Like I, I, I guess I learned is like, you know, count every piece of luggage that is going to get, even though I booked a, uh, a helicopter that should have been able to like accommodate five or six people, you know, I don't know. Have you, have you booked helicopters at all since then? No, it was a one-time deal. <laughs> and you know, usually the way that goes is, um, you know, these teams, like when I've worked with other huge A-list artists is that they have their management teams, but then they have like awesome like tour managers and day-to-day managers and like people who cover the travel logistics and they really want to own it because like if something like they are the tour manager and it's like, no, I'm going to make sure that everything is handled properly on the tour. And at that point, um, due to some like personnel, it just happened to not have a tour manager for those for that, like, leg um so it's like it's not always so like usual that i would be like the person in charge of booking a helicopter in that situation <laughs> i don't know if i can you get still have the, i gotta make the, sure uh, i the... don't get in trouble for talking about that publicly <laughs> <laughs> could you uh i guess that was a long digression <laughs> you, but you probably can't say how much a helicopter costs no I think, let me see if that is public. I think I got a deal on it though, because like, like I said, like somebody recommended it, um, for me. Uh, Could you get a helicopter from Brooklyn to Long Island? <laughs> yeah. What, it might what's be safer, Blade? safer than the subway? Yeah. Blade. You know, have you heard about Blade? No. Blade is like rich people Uber where you're all like chip in like on a private plane and you can all take it together. So it's like popular if you're like in New York and you're going to go to Hamptons for the weekend or you're going to Vegas. So you just go in and go like, yeah, I want to go to the Hamptons and then 10 other rich people chip in on the blade and then you all get on there and you go on the helicopter or the private plane. I'm going to add taking a blade to my bucket list. Yeah. I don't have, have you ever been in a helicopter? No, I don't think I have either. But it doesn't sound doesn't look fun. It looks kind of scary. I guess it's noisy. You got to wear headphones. Yeah. Um, I'm always really uh, touchy about my hearing and wearing earplugs and that kind of thing. Same. Um, 
my dad just got hearing aids. Oh. He's 70. That's good. And it it may or may not be because of one thing or another, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's like, you know, genetic, but obviously I'm around loud music all the time, and I'm very apprehensive about my ear health. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I, at some point in... Probably during when I knew you, I started wearing earplugs everywhere and like keeping them on me at all times because it's pretty regular that I would go to a show or have a rehearsal or something. And uh, my brother got me into it. Uh, my brother Sean, who's a drummer, and it's because it's like when you're a drummer, you're gonna you can, if you don't wear anything, it'll just kill your ears within a number of years. I I have a drum set, and I've never played my own drum set, and. I mean, I'm not that good at drums, obviously. I'm not really a drummer, but you think just having a drum set in the last seven years, I've had I've had three different drum sets. Yeah. I've, all, I've been upgrading. Never a single time have I sat behind it and played drums because every time I hit it, I'm just like, oh, well, that didn't sound good. I'd have to hit it harder for it to sound good. But I don't want to hit it harder. It's too loud. No, man, dude, it's so loud. It's so punishing. I'm, yeah. I they should just be issuing like those like Vic Firth noise canceling headphones with every drum set. Like I can't believe that there's like 13 year old kids out there who are just destroying their ears across the country and the world. I, I hey, any listener, take it from two dudes who've made music, music related things their life. Wear earplugs if you go to a concert when they come back wear earplugs people have this like when they come back like there's like a misconception that if i wear earplugs i'm not hearing everything or i'm not feeling it the same way but if you get the proper earplugs it's just cutting out the harsh frequencies that are damaging you and then you can actually hear the show better yeah you gotta you gotta spend a little bit of money on proper earplugs like the the foam pieces of shit that you get at the pharmacy they don't they don't work yeah um anyway I, i'm really glad that like softer playing on drum set is coming back um <laughs> first i just like that it's always yin and yang i let i love like a, a nice soft drummer that still has some feeling uh, one of my favorite current guys is andy schaff and he played on tv and it, the way just seeing somebody play like the, you can just see the guy trying to play as light as possible with still having energy it's it's really entertaining um <clears throat> All right, so, I mean, I think that, that covers everything in the show. I mean, do you want to give it a rating? Uh, Sure. It, it was algebraic. <laughs> it's pretty low effort. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going mathematical on this one. Okay. This is, a, this is like, I want more of these episodes. I mean, look, I think it's probably algebraic in the long run. I'm sure there's more to come, but I, I just love that in... That Adventure Time is, has episodes that are this crazy, and I support it. I want more. It's good. It's good to have like different. It's cool about the shows. They have so many different types of episodes, and um, and it's cool. It's a really good variety. I concur. Sure. All right, cool. Dude. Uh, so for our final segment and our newest segment, we will pick an episode to watch for next week in case anyone wants to watch with us in case they want to um, uh, be prepared just like we always are <laughs> for the next week's podcast episode. It might be fun. We we didn't go through the, the plot in a linear order. I think it's too painstaking to just like try to get every point. So yeah, it's probably a good idea to watch before you come. Yeah. Um, so we're going to pick the episode for next week randomly. And I have a random number generator on Google right now that's going to pick a number between 1 and 283. Ooh. And this technique is only going to work for so long because eventually it's going to start repeating numbers. Yeah. But I don't know how to set up any sort of app or anything that where it tracks which ones that we already picked and excludes them from the data set. I'm sure it exists. Honestly, before that becomes a problem, we're going to have to go through like three years of this podcast. <laughs> and then we might just have to 
run it one more time. Yeah. And it might only become an insurmountable problem maybe four or five years into this podcast. <laughs> so that's that's an issue for future Eric and Nick to deal with. Yeah. They'll, they got it. They'll figure it out. Yeah. I guess this segment has a theme song. So let's generate that episode number. Oh, I want to hear this. I have to write it and record it. Okay. <laughs> Didn't do that part yet. Here we go. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? One sixty nine. Ooh, nice, nice. And that episode is uh, season six, episode thirteen. Thanks for the crab apples, Giuseppe. All right, season six, episode thirteen. I'm writing it down so I don't have to text you and ask you what episode I'm supposed to watch this week. Cool. Yes. Let's do it, man. I'm excited. I think we got back on track uh, with this episode. I'm feeling good. Yeah, this was a regular episode of Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. And uh, we hope to see you next week. Yep. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Peace.